Bitcoin. People talk about Bitcoin in the media all the time. We don't know how Bitcoin works, but there are people that say that could be a monetary alternative. Do you believe that it's possible? Discuss it in Argentina. Let's see. What is the point? The point is that the first thing we have to understand is that the central bank is a scam. It is a mechanism by which politicians cheat to the good people with the inflationary tax. What Bitcoin is representing is the return of money to its original creator, the private sector. Money is a private invention. In order to be used to solve problems, for example, in a bartering economy, the double coincidence of wants and indivisibility, then paper money appears to solve portability. Actually, you had different currencies, linen, wheat, salt, where it came from, the word salary, hence comes the superstition that salt falls off the table. And then that was evolving and the currencies that the people chosen were the silver for small transactions and the gold for the bigger ones. Then because back then it was very dangerous to move the gold, people used to deposit the gold and get in exchange a receipt. And then in the year 1445, in the first Genovese Congress, the states appropriated the exclusivity to issue the money. That's the legal tender, which is a key point, because the legal tender allows to the politicians scam you with the inflationary tax. Bitcoin has an algorithm that one day it will reach a certain amount and there, there is no more. And it can compete with other currencies. In fact, it competes with Ethereum and others. It's the return of the private money. But what is the problem? The problem is that the governments will not give up the legal tender. Because with the legal tender, they can scam you with the inflationary tax. The Bitcoin is a natural reaction against the central bankers, scammers, and to make the money private again. And the flip side is that the thieving politicians are not going to allow you to go against the legal tender. In economies with high inflation, the scam problem is bigger. That's why, as I suggest, you can propose to close the central bank. That was obviously an interview with uh, the new president of Argentina, Mr. Javier Malay. Let me start by saying, wow, did not, did not see this one coming. Uh, obviously, after the last election, which was about a month ago, and it was going to be a, become a runoff, I assumed he would be the favorite because there was three people running and one of them dropped out and endorsed Javier. So... You know, based off of that, I assumed that he would be the odds on favorite, but I did not believe that the ele election would be legitimate and that he would actually be the next president of Argentina. That just seemed very far fetched to me. So I wanted to get into, you know, why this is such a big deal to me, why I think people's skepticism is well warranted, what it might actually mean for the future, and uh, just kind of break it down entirely. First off, in terms of rhetoric, well, let me, first off, the very first thing I should always say when I'm talking about any politician is that I don't trust them, okay? So everyone going, oh, you're celebrating, oh, you're such a fool, how, how could you trust this guy, he's just another politician. I don't trust him. I don't trust any politician. Are you out of your mind? Of course I don't trust him. Why the fuck would I? They're politicians, they lie. However, the reason it's such a big deal is that his rhetoric is that of an anarcho-capitalist. 90% of the time, he sounds just like me or Dave Smith or Tom Woods or anybody else out there that I would absolutely love to see in power. So, uh, yeah, it, if the people of Argentina decided to come out in, uh, in droves and vote for this guy, that's powerful. That's very, very powerful that our message is landing on ripe ears. People are ready. Now, let's, let's go into the why. Why are people ready? Why would the Argentinians throw off you know, decades of inflation and socialism in favor of a chainsaw-wielding maniac that is prepared to cut the government by 90%, allegedly. Well, because of the decades of inflation and socialism that they've had to languish under. Their inflationary rate has escalated over the past few months to 140-plus percent per annum. That means that your your money is losing uh, purchasing power so rapidly, you actually have different conversion rates overnight and significant ones at that. It's devastating. It is absolutely brutal for the people of Argentina, and they've had enough. 
Now, obviously, I think that that will actually come for America eventually. Now, the reason it hasn't is because we are the dollar reserve currency status, or we have the dollar reserve currency status. And I think that the reason that Javier Malay was allowed to win is because he wants to migrate to the U.S. dollar. He also gives lip service to Ukraine and their defense. He also gives lip service to Israel and their defense. He wants to withdraw from the Belt and Road Initiative, which is the, the Chinese growth plan, kind of an imperialism through economics as opposed to force, which has been the American empire's MO. Uh, he's doing a lot of things that I think the CIA would like to see. And I think that's why he hasn't been taken out. And that's why I'm hoping for his success. Now, the question as always should be, is this lip service or is this real? I don't know. I have no idea. And neither do you. A lot of people have pointed out the fact that he was uh, listed as a World Economic Forum Young Global Leader. But then if you actually go through his tweet history, he says that they had a WEF meeting in Argentina in 2014, at which he gave a speech where he decried central banking. That's not exactly uh, up the WEF alley, and he was never invited back. Okay, so while he was listed as a Young Global Leader, I don't think that really means what people think it means. As Vivek Ramaswamy has recently demonstrated, he was listed as such, and he said he had never had any communications with them and that he actually was suing to get his name removed from their website because people take that as an, uh, uh, you know, an instantaneous evidentiary case that you are a fraud. Now, he could be a fraud. Doesn't mean that he's not also, but it does mean that you, sh you should pay a little bit closer to attention to you know, what they actually say when they have any sort of communication with the World Economic Forum. In terms of rhetoric, I don't think Javier Malay could be, you know, much more in opposition to their plans in terms of central banking and control of the financial system, which is really everything. That's, that's how they control everyone and everything, every corporation, every country. It's through the IMF, World Bank. And if he's talking about getting away from that system, and migrating towards the US dollar to kind of stop the bleeding, the inflationary bleeding that the Argentinian people have been suffering. Uh, I think that makes sense. You know, the US dollar is obviously not great, but it's far, far better than the Argentinian peso. And if you have to migrate away to some, you know, version of fiat in the interim, it makes perfect sense. It doesn't make a ton of sense to me that he would be talking about getting away from legal tender. And, and he's also said that he intends to you know, get rid of legal tender and allow for a complete free market competition of all sorts of decentralized currencies, Bitcoin, etc., as well as fiat currencies. He's going to just let the market decide ultimately. That's what he says. Will he do that? Who knows? I don't know. But that would be incredible. I would love to see a nation, another nation do that. Obviously, El Salvador under Bukele went with, uh, you know, Bitcoin as legal tender. And that has its own issues, too. So it's going to like this is what we need to see. We need to see more competition in the world. We need to see more competing currencies in the world. Uh, we need to see more competing governance models in the world so that people actually have places that they can flee to if they're actually seeking freedom. You know, a lot of us look at, at the illustrious history of American freedom and we and we we weep that it's no longer what it once was. I'm, I'm one of them. I weep. <laughs> it bums me out. But truthfully, I just want to see a few options globally. Obviously, I would prefer that it be Dave Smith that was winning the presidency in 2024 in America. That would be far better news. So this is not on that level of, of amazement or anything you know that productive, but it does give us a fighting chance. It demonstrates that there is an opportunity to reach people. Now, the issue is, as always, is that they were only reached once the financial pain was devastating. And the American people have not suffered that yet. So let me take this opportunity to implore you to not allow us to get to that spot, to not allow us to get to 140% annualized inflation, which just rapid, I mean, devastates every aspect of your life devastates it. And even if you're a Bitcoiner, keep in mind, you'd be surrounded by 99% of people that have zero Bitcoin, and you're still dealing with riots and homeless crisis and drug addiction and all sorts of uh, potential civil strife that you do not want to be a participant in. So it would be very, very nice that if instead of just the handful of us that understand what's coming, we could actually 
cut it off at the pass and prevent the hyperinflationary death spiral that would devastate everybody that is not in the know as to what we're talking about right now. So this is the reason that I love Javier Malay's victory is that our message has power. It has the most power when the government has completely run amok, and that's sad. I wish it weren't the case, but it is. So I think that that the reason for tremendous optimism is that you know this this means ultimately that when the time comes, people will listen to us. I guess we already kind of knew that. It was Ron Paul's presidential campaign in 2008 that, that kind of caught fire, and it was because of the 08 crash. I mean, people were realizing that they were being screwed in the bailouts. People were furious. It makes perfect sense that someone like Ron Paul, who's talking about crony capitalism and central bank policy and interest rate setting and inflation and money printing and how all of those things are deleterious to the average man. Well, of course, it, it found you know, common cause amongst the average people in that moment. But what was fascinating about it is that we weren't really suffering anywhere near the level of the Argentinians. So what that means is that it, it probably will come sooner here because we are used to a standard of living that is far higher than the Argentinians. It took them decades of suffering before they, they came to their senses, and God bless that they did. I'm, my hope is that the American people will look at that and stop saying to themselves, let's pick between the lesser of two evils. Let's pick between the $6 trillion uh, you know, deficit spending Donald Trump and the 5 or $6 trillion deficit spending Joe Biden. The Democrats and the Republicans are not going to save you, most likely. Now, I, I offered up to the GOP uh, late last night before I went to bed. I said, hey, GOP, take a look. Take a look. The average margin of victory in congressional races and Senate races and even presidential races are almost always single digits. The libertarian vote, the, the true hardline constitutionalist gun-toting small government vote, well, we are not enormous. We are big enough to swing those elections, the vast majority of them. And if they were to offer us up Thomas Massey's all across this country, I think you would see a red wave. The red wave that had been promised that never, that never arrived. Multiple times we've been told this red wave's coming. Look how absolutely horrendous the Democrats are. Why wouldn't it arrive? Well, the reason is because the GOP and the broader Republican Party are socialists. They're, they're warmongering socialists, the worst of both worlds. If you offer us up non-interventionist constitutionalists, you guys can win. And if you don't, then me and my cadre of intransigent lunatics will continue to vote for the Libertarian Party against all odds because we will not go down with this boat. We're not going to just vote for some other drunk, blind captain to try and sail us through that, that night, that good night. And that's the reason that, that we demand better. We understand the circumstances. Most Americans don't. Most Americans think that you can continue to print and spend like this and that you'll get away with it. It's false. It's a false premise. Anyone that has any backdrop in Austrian economics understands exactly why. At a certain point, the inflationary pressures get to be so significant that you ultimately have to hike interest rates, in which case you create a deflationary debt spiral. And, and that may be where we're headed right now because they have hiked the Fed funds rate so, so rapidly. Or you go the other direction and you, you print to oblivion. You start to you know, print and buy your own debt, in which case you enter the hyperinflationary debt spiral. Either way, it's tremendous pain and it's inevitable. And the reason is because $33 trillion of debt is imminently going to be $34 trillion of debt. And at these interest rates, that debt growth becomes exponential. Not to mention the unfunded liabilities when it comes to Social Security, Medicare, Medicaid, all of the guarantees, not to mention the VA, not to mention the military industrial complex, not to mention the corporate handouts, the crony capitalism. The list is almost endless and you can't afford any of it. So you're going to either get real and cut spending, unlikely, or you're going to print and you're going to turn us into Argentina circa 2023, probably by circa 2029, maybe it's coming. It's not too far off. It's extraordinarily dangerous. And only, only the libertarians take this as seriously as it needs to be. But that will change. Our message is, is being heard by more and more people. 
and more and more people just suffering this mild inflation that we've we've had to deal with. It has been brutal. It has been absolutely brutal. And I think people know. This is why the whole America First mantra and message has been so successful as of late is that people understand even if they don't truly understand economics in the way that that the libertarian audience might they do understand that you cannot print borrow and spend to oblivion and expect it to never have a consequence this is why the america first people demand that we stop sending so much foreign aid this is why they are no longer so uh, on board for every new military adventure this is good this is progress welcome them embrace them educate them further help them along with their path do not shun them for having been wrong in the past welcome them for having figured out the error of their ways it's a beautiful thing very few people ever change i mean in terms of their political parties or their political belief set so if they're if they're willing to actually consider that yeah military adventurism and and the safety net that we provide the world with our aid programs that can't happen anymore. We're bleeding. We're about to bleed out. The trajectory is unsustainable. Anyone who's thinking rationally knows it. And Javier Malay offers a, a fresh of breath air. Now, that breath air, that fresh air may prove to be toxic ultimately. Who knows? Who knows? But what it shows is that at a certain threshold, at a certain pain point, the people will say enough. Now, let me give you some other reasons for optimism. So Argentina just elected an anti-socialist economist named Javier Malay in a landslide. This is from End Wokeness on Twitter, by the way. Uh, he's also a, a self-described anarcho-capitalist. That's me. That's Dave Smith. That's crazy. <laughs> that is absolutely unbelievable. You also have Donald Trump beating Biden in all the recent polls. Whether or not that's great news or not, it is a sign that people are un unhappy with the trajectory, trajectory of things. The right-wing AFD is now surging in Germany. Finland just formed its most right-wing government in its history. Anti-immigration party in Sweden is part of the government in Sweden for the first time. In Russia, the anti-WF uh, farmer party just pulled off a huge ups. Oh, excuse me. That's Netherlands. I can't tell. I have sunlight behind me. Uh, huge upset in the Le Netherlands and it is surging. Le Pen's party is surging in France. Hundreds of thousands in Spain are marching against the socialist coup. Most people haven't even heard about that. It's actually happening. It's unbelievable. And then Bukele in El Salvador has a 90% approval after his crackdown on crime. Lots and lots of reason to say, okay, all hope is not lost. Now, there's a lot of reason to be skeptical too. Don't get me wrong. But... This is a trajectory shift that I think we should be paying attention to, and we should probably spit out that black pill. I can't tell you how many people you know, just sent me the, the listing from Malay on the World Economic Forum's website going, oh, Clint, you're falling for another one. It's like, dude, I'm not that naive. <laughs> like, I'm really not. I'm as jaded as all you, okay? But it doesn't change the fact that we have to prevail. And we have to give these candidates, if the people actually put them into power, give them a fair shake, give them an opportunity to prove us wrong, that we shouldn't be so skeptical of their rhetoric and let them see if they'll, if they'll actually deliver. I mean, what Malay is up against is absolutely unbelievable. He has to deal with tremendous impoverishment after decades of socialism and hyperinflation. That is a wild task to take on. So he's going to try and cut 90% of the government, allegedly, God knows how he's going to get to get that through the Congress in Argentina. God knows how he's going to get political will or support to do any of the things that he wants to do. God knows how he's going to get the central bank to back down. This is all, I mean, it's not, it's not overstating it to say this is completely untested water. You've never seen it. There has never been a self-described anarcho-capitalist as a president of any major nation. And keep in mind, you may not know anything about Argentina. We're talking over 50 million people in Argentina. That is not a small country. That's a hell of a lot of people. And Argentina, not too long ago, was a fairly wealthy nation. So my hope is that that foundation, that cultural framework that lied beneath the surface will rise in the absence of this oppressive state and that they might actually prevail. If it prevails, this is the really good news. If it prevails, what does that portend for the future? What does it say to the rest of the world if all of these social programs are just ripped from the system and the economy booms and poverty decreases? It would be earth shattering it would be such a paradigm shift that you could not ignore it i can't say it'll happen for sure odds are probably against it 
just because I think that he'll be undermined every step of the way. But if he actually is allowed to attempt these ideas, to put them into practice, to pull 50 million people out of a hyperinflationary death spiral and to catapult them into a Hong Kong of Latin America type future, my God, what would that say to the rest of the world? What would that say to the American political establishment? It would be astonishing. Anybody that says, oh, I can't waste my vote on a Democrat or Republican. We point to Javier Malay. We point to Argentina. We say, you sure? You sure you can't waste your vote? Or is it a waste of your vote to continue to vote for the duopoly that has destroyed your, your livelihood and potentially your lives? I'd say it's probably the latter. At least that's a, a, the argument that I would make. And if they're open to hearing it, maybe we can make some real progress here. Maybe 5% in presidential elections becomes feasible in the not-too-distant future. Perhaps a, an actual libertarian candidate could be considered within a few decades. I mean, it's not impossible. No one expected the Berlin Wall to come down. No one expected the USSR to dissolve. No one expects America to get its financial house in order. No one expects a, expects a libertarian to be elected to Congress or the Senate or the presidency. No one expects any of this. Doesn't mean it can't happen. It doesn't mean that. Are odds against it? Sure, of course. But I am not so blackpilled. I am not so jaded that I believe that, that we have zero chance of ever prevailing, that the American people could never wake up, that the people of the world could never wake up to what we, what we actually mean when we talk about free market economics, what we actually mean when we talk about non-interventionism. It's not outside the, the realm of possibility that we could actually see this in our, in our lifetimes. And that, that should infuse a fire that burns hotter than a million suns within you, within everybody listening to this right now. You have a chance. Don't fuck it up. Phoenix Ammunition is the premier supplier to the militia industrial complex. I didn't say it, they did. With 100% of their sales going directly to American citizens, no military contracts, no law enforcement deals, simply the highest quality American-made ammunition served directly to the people the Second Amendment was written for. Phoenix Ammo uses the highest quality components, parts, and the most advanced quality control system in the country to, de to deliver exactly what you expect while at the range or when your life is on the line and performance matters above all else. Phoenix Ammunition is the trusted supplier for top-level competitive shooters, world-class training companies, including Haley Strategic Training and Warrior Poet Society and recreational shooters nationwide. They ship direct to you with no middlemen or distributors, just the best quality ammo made by American workers in Detroit, Michigan. Head to phoenixammo.com, subscribe to their propaganda newsletter, and follow them on Twitter at Phoenix Ammunition for the latest in product updates, high-quality trolling, small L libertarian commentary, and world-class mean warfare. Save up to 25% off all day, every day, with their automatic volume-based discounts. Come for the ammo, stay for the memes. That's phoenixammo.com. I'm a huge fan of this company. I'm a huge fan of these guys. I'm a huge fan of their Twitter account. Make sure you check them out. It's at Phoenix Ammunition, Phoenix Ammo. Com. To prove my case further that this is this message is actually catching fire all over the world, this is the Hodge Twins posting this. They have over a million followers on Twitter, God knows, on all the other social media programs, big YouTube channel, big podcast, and this is the video that they shared. I get up at 4.45 in the morning and I don't see a sign of the government anywhere. Every single day for eight and a half hours, I exchange my time for labor. I don't see the government anywhere except for on Thursdays. Thursdays I get my paycheck. That's when the government shows up. That's when they feel they are entitled to split half of the currency I made for trading my time, my skills, my labor. This goes on throughout the year where I'm responsible to keep records of all of this. At the end of the year, it's my responsibility to prepare all that documentation for them to review it. They then determine if their cut was large enough. If I don't meet their schedule, I face fines, fees, or the threat of being locked up in one of their cells. I guess some people call this taxation, but it doesn't meet my definition. To me, that sounds a lot more like fraud, embezzlement, and fucking slavery. Ooh. Look, I don't know if you're dead inside, but that ought to get you fucking pumped up, okay? Viral TikToks questioning the very nature of taxation. I know this is kind of like wonky, nerdy shit, but I'm this is the type of stuff that gets me excited. I'm sorry, it is. I love it. I fucking love it. 
I love it when people question the nature of the reality, when they question the state, when they question this absurd structure that we have all just accepted our entire lives, and they look at it with new eyes, with, with fresh vision, and they say, what the fuck is this? I go to work every day. I don't see the government. They don't provide me much, if at all. And what do they get in return? 40% of my income? And I have to self-report that. And if I get it off by a few dollars, then you actually have a, a capacity to fine me or potentially imprison me. If I refuse entirely, you have the potential to imprison me. And if I refuse that, you have the potential to kill me. This is the system that we've accepted to. This is the social contract that I've admitted into without my, my foreknowledge, without my actual acquiescence or signature. Well, fuck all that. Fuck it all. I didn't, I didn't agree to this. You're extracting my wealth, my labor, my time. It is slavery. He's right. And if people are only hearing these ideas for the first time, good. And if they only actually think about this sincerely when the inflationary pressure makes it so hard for them to live that they have to reflect on it, good. Good. Jocko Willink, good. Good. Think about it. Think about what you're up against and why. Think about where that extracted wealth actually goes. Does it go to help you or your offspring, your lineage? Or does it go to the military industrial complex as it destroys the rest of the world, as it causes refugee crises, as, as your southern border is flooded with millions of poor people, primarily because of their own socialist programs and their own nations, but also our military industrial complex, which has made it exceedingly challenging for any of these nations that don't go along with the American empire to prevail and succeed and thrive and keep their people, keep people's heads above water. So much of what we, we actually hate about our current circumstances are derived almost entirely by the government. And most people never think about it. Most people never, they all just accept or not all the vast majority of people just accept that this is the reality that we, that we have lived in and we will forever. I reject that. I reject it entirely. Theft is no, never okay. The death and murder, excuse me, the murder of innocence is never okay. Doing that, killing innocent people with my stolen tax money is fucking insane and infuriating to my very core. Most people just go, ah, it's the system, Clint. What are you going to do? I'm going to, I'm going to fucking raise hell until you actually get, get in line with me and say no more. You don't get to steal my wealth and kill innocent people. That's fucking nuts. You belong behind bars. You don't get to imprison me if I refuse to pay the taxes that are used to commit these heinous murders. It's an absurdity. You're the criminal, not me. And that, these types of conversations that we get to have because of this time frame, because of Javier Malay's victory, because of the advent of viral media, this is a powerful moment. We have an ability to reach more people than we ever have with a message that is more ripe than it has ever been. And if you look at that and you say, it's hopeless, there's no way out, why even try? Then you're a pussy. Get fucking fired up and give it a shot, for God's sakes. What do you have to lose? Your, your forefathers fought for victory, for freedom, for liberty. What have you done? Have you just accepted your birthright as a free man and thought that it would never require anything of you? Well, that's bitch shit, isn't it? Doesn't that sound like some fucking welfare queen that just accepts their or expects their freedom to be handed to them on a silver platter? Freedom doesn't come easy. And we live under one of the most tyrannical, if not the most tyrannical government. It ain't easy. It ain't gonna be easy. But if you have no hope, then you might as well pack it in. Despite all of the, the odds that are stacked against us, I have eternal hope. I believe that the power of our ideas will prevail. If you don't believe that, then maybe you need to reassess your priors. Look at your belief system. Do you believe it? How real is it to you? Have you actually challenged the, the foundational beliefs by which you live and speak? Because I do every day. And I come away more convinced than ever that the path that we are on in terms of the libertarian, the free market economy, the non-interventionist path, that is the path for the future. 
And I want to see my children raised in that world, not this one. And if you fucking feel me on that, then spit out the goddamn black pill and get in the game. So as many of you know, Candace Owens has hit the cancel culture, culture circuit because she had said that she doesn't support genocide for anybody. And apparently that is now anti-Semitic. So uh, from frontpagemag.com, there's an article entitled Goodbye Candace. It's a statement by the David Horowitz Freedom Center. And it just came out yeah, today, just a few hours ago. Six years ago, the David Horowitz Freedom Center invited the, Len the then little-known Candace Owens to its annual Restoration Weekend gathering of conservative mo movers and shakers. Quote, this really is the conference where everything started for me, Candace later said. I started my career, my political career on YouTube, making just funny satirical videos, and I got an email from David Horowitz inviting me to this conference. And let me just tell you what a big deal it was for me. I had no connections whatsoever, end quote. At this conference, she met Charlie Kirk and connected with his nationwide student organization, TPUSA, and became a national figure. The David Horowitz Freedom Center went on promoting Candace, honored her with an Annie Taylor Award for Courage in 2018, and hosted her at multiple events. That's why we are so disappointed in what she has become. Back then, she laid out an ambitious plan to move the black vote 20 points by 2020. It's not clear what happened to that. Instead of liberating the black community, Candace began giving platforms to anti-Israel voices like Andrew Tate, a Muslim convert who said that ISIS are the real Muslims because ISIS do exactly what the book says. Oh, we're getting into the platform conversation now already. Goodness gracious. Not, not what she said, not her beliefs. No, 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 no. She had a conversation with Andrew Tate, God forbid. Uh, the David Horowitz Freedom Center has previously criticized Candace Owens' uh, promo promotion of Tate, but because of our history with Candace and our hope that she would pull out of this spiral, we did not make an issue of it. The atrocities of October 7th, the appearance of ignorant mobs in the U.S. chanting Hitler was right in supporting the Hamas terrorists and Candace's moral equivalence. Keep in mind, her moral equivalence is that she doesn't like seeing babies die on either side of a war. Ooh, terrible moral equivalence there, Candace. How dare you? Uh, and Candace's moral equivalence about these neo-Nazis have changed the stakes. We have decided to issue the present statement because of her recent promotion of Hamas genocidal lies. For example, she has falsely compared Israel to the segregated South. This is the sort of ignorant apartheid state slander that we expect from Black Lives Matter and the Jew killers of the Middle East. When Candace implied that Israel was engaged in genocide for defending Israel against the atrocities committed by Hamas, that's the kind of genocidal lie we expect to hear from Hamas. Oh my goodness. And when she suggested that to remove the Hamas auxiliary students for justice in Palestine from campuses would increase anti-Semitism, that's what we expect to hear from the New York Times. Once again, just guilt by association nonsense. Oh, you sound like a woke person, so you are. Because we make all of our decisions based off of the inverse of whatever the woke say. Because we're fucking free-thinking people, obviously. What a joke. Continuing on. It's not what we at the Freedom Center stand for, and it's not what the patriotic movement we have been helping to build over the last 35 years represents. Instead of focusing on the meaningful activism and defense of American values that brought her to our attention, Candace Owens has become obsessed with her own fame, stirring up drama to compensate for a lack of real achievement. Yeah, she has three kids in three years and continues to have one of the most successful podcasts. Sure, no real achievement there. Her comments about Israel and her promotion of people like Andrew Tate are part of a pattern. Candace tackles a subject she knows nothing about, never bothers to learn anything about it, and then rides the backlash by playing the victim to generate more fame and money. She didn't do anything wrong. What are you doing? What a tragic misuse of talents. In 2018, Candace tweeted that AOC was, was clueless. She's programmed to hate Israel, and she has no idea why. Now she has become AOC. She hasn't once said that she hates o a o uh, Israel or anything even approaching that. Then they continue. Candace hates Israel for the same reason that AOC does. Fame. She proved that she knows as little about Israel as AOC does when she falsely claimed that the Muslim quarter in Jerusalem is the only place that Muslims are allowed to live. Yeah, she didn't. She got that wrong. Okay. Doesn't mean, doesn't mean that her, her take about murdered innocent children doesn't apply. What a joke. Thus proving the Hamas canard that Israel practices apartheid. It does not. Yeah, well, you don't exactly have equal voting rights, now do you? Uh, the Palestinian people haven't had a nation for 75 years. Pretty fucked up. But this is not just about Israel. It's about the survival of Western civilization with the Islamic jihadis having, uh, have been working to destroy. And it's about the sad caricature that Candace has become. 
and the end of the promise we saw in her. The David Horowitz Freedom Center wishes to express its deep disappointment with Candace's ignorant, hateful, and morally obtuse remarks about Israel and the Jews. But of course, it's not just about the Jews. The Jews are the canaries in the coal mine. The West is next and America above all. Oh, goodness gracious. We're back to the domino theory, huh? It's one thing to have been alive in the 30s and not realize where the Nazis were heading. It is quite another to be alive during a 75-year campaign by Islamic jihadis to finish the job that Hitler started and fail to stand against their open campaign to create a second Holocaust. Goodness gracious. Here is the irony that so-called pro-Palestinian left and Candace failed to grasp. For nearly two decades, Israel and the West sent millions in humanitarian aid to Gaza, which was used instead by the Hamas government to build 300 miles of terrorist tunnels and turn Gaza into a military base, sending thousands of rockets into civilian areas and Israel war crimes. Where were the protests in Gaza and on college campuses then? They were demonstrating on beh in behalf of the war criminals. Okay, uh, again, uh, this is why I'm not in alignment with the people in the street. I, I find that reprehensible too, but I also find the treatment of the Palestinians reprehensible. Just as Candace is talking about this, she's actually approaching this with a fairly non-biased perspective saying, hey, let's probably not have uh, endless war. Let's probably not blow up children. Let's probably not get America in, you know, involved in yet another foreign war, another front to a potential world war. Like this is standard America first. She had the exact same take when it came to Russia and Ukraine. She has applied the same thing to Israel. And for that, for that, she is now labeled the worst things you can be labeled. It's completely unfair. And I have plenty of disagreements with Candace Owens. Uh, and even if I disagreed with her on this, I still think this is an absurdity. Uh, to, to try and cancel these people based off of a genuine difference of opinion, especially when she's not even taking a side. It's not as if she's coming out in favor of Hamas. She hasn't even really come out in favor of the Palestinians. She has just come out in favor of the innocents caught in the crossfire, just as most decent human beings have, that they don't like to see this. It's tragic. It's heartbreaking. She's a mom. She just had, I think she's pregnant with her third kid right now. Parents, particularly young mothers, take this very seriously, as they should, because their instinct is to protect children, as it should be all of our instinct. Why it isn't, I don't really know. I don't understand it because that is exactly why I'm so fiercely anti-war is because at the end of the day, innocent kids get caught up in that and it sucks. It's horrific. You want to cancel me for that? Fine. I'll stand on it. It's a weird, it's a weird, it's a weird hill to have to die on, but I'm fine with that. I'm fine with that hill. It's a totally appropriate one. The protection of children is in my opinion, the highest calling that an adult, an adult can have. So, you want to cancel everybody that, that isn't on board with your forever wars? Have at it. It's not going to get me to shift. And I don't think it's going to get Candace to shift either. At least I hope so. She has stood firm so far, and I am rooting for her. I am rooting for anybody that goes up against the mob, whether it's the left or the right. In this situation, it's the right that's bringing or using mob tactics, guilt by association, a bunch of other nonsense to try and cancel someone who has otherwise been very much in alignment with everything that you would like to see in the world. But because she doesn't want one war, just one, just because she doesn't show the same level of either just full on allegiance to a foreign nation that you would prefer that she does or demand that she does, I should say, well, then she can't have a career anymore. She can't continue to be, you know, the leader of the black conservative movement. Why? If you want to use these type of you know, restrictive guidelines to, to decide who can be an influencer in your movement, then expect to lose, expect to fail, and you deserve to. I will welcome Candace Owens with open arms. Think for, your, think for yourself, speak freely, actually focus on uh, America's well-being. Don't get sucked into this nonsense. Now let's take a listen to Benjamin Netanyahu on the Mark Levin show just a couple days ago. This is the guy that we have to show complete allegiance to. So I'm sure what he has to say is totally reasonable. We're destroying their infrastructure, their command posts, their rockets, their underground tunnels, and we're going to win because we have to win. This is a battle of the forces of civilization against the forces of barbarism. And if barbarism wins in our part of the world, Europe will be next and America will be next because the axis of, of terror, of Iran, Hamas, Hezbollah, the Houthis and their other minions will imperil the Middle East and then spread their barbarism to the entire world. Israel is fighting our war, but it's also fighting America's war. It's fighting your war. 
and our victory will be your victory. Today's episode is brought to you by Nadeau Shave Co. That's N-A-D-E-A-U shaveco.com. It's the best stainless steel razor I've ever owned. In fact, it's the only one I've ever owned and I absolutely love it. Veteran owned, family operated. It's the best razor in the game. No exaggeration. Christmas is just around the corner. You got a brother, you got a dad. Stop giving them that Gillette bullshit. Give them a real razor, huh? A single blade man's razor. None of that bitch shit. N-A-D-E-A-U shaveco.com. Promo code lockdown. Get yourself 15% off the best razor in the game. Enjoy your shave. Nadeau shaveco.com. Yeah. Uh, consider me skeptical, BB. But this is the framing. This is this is what they always attempt with every every new war, is that well, we have to fight them over here, over there, so we don't have to fight them here. Is that real? No. It's not real. Especially if you were to actually not have open borders that have three million, you know, undocumented people that are coming across every year, then you wouldn't actually have so much concern about potential domestic uh, terrorism. But we do have that. So how about we stop blowing up the rest of the world and maybe consider, uh, you know, getting our immigration policies in check so we can actually at least know who's coming in. That would be nice. Obviously, I would prefer that we don't create so many terrorists all over the world by blowing up their families that we would have to have such a harsh border policy, but that's where we're at. So if you want to advocate on behalf of open borders, be my guest. I think that it would be very dangerous. And, and if if you do have an open border policy and if you get hit with a, you know, a blowback terrorist attack, well, then goodbye, open borders, and welcome to full lockdown United States of America. So consider, just consider it. I know people get really furious with me when I even, you know, step an inch out of line on the immigration issue, but I don't care. I don't care. Circumstances mean you have to be reasonable. You have to be prudent. You have to actually think about these things. Let's think uh, another, <laughs> this is, this is uh, another congressman in America that has some choice words about uh, Palestine. Uh, not so lightly throw around the idea of innocent Palestinian civilians as is frequently said. Uh, I don't think we would so lightly throw around the term innocent Nazi civilians during World War II. Uh, you missed the first couple seconds, so I'm gonna play this one more time. As a whole, I would encourage the other side to not so lightly throw around the idea of innocent Palestinian civilians, as is frequently said. Uh, I don't think we would so lightly throw around the term innocent Nazi civilians during World War II. I mean, one of the most horrific things I've ever heard said, <laughs> genuinely. Uh, so first off, let's consider for a second that uh, it's not exactly reality that uh, everyone in Nazi Germany was a Nazi. And, it, and it's certainly not fair to just assume that people forced into a system that many of them would oppose otherwise, but they're living under a you know totalitarian dictatorship or a fascist dictatorship or a Nazi dictatorship, uh, that uh, it's not so easy to rise up against your government now, is it? So all, all of, there's, there's no such thing as an innocent Palestinian, just as there's no such thing as, as an innocent uh, German citizen. I mean, he's, he said Nazi, but not everybody in Germany was a Nazi. So uh, that's wild. That's wild. Not to mention the fact that he's, uh, you know, making the direct analogy of, of all Palestinians being the exact same thing, completely comparable to that of the Nazis. A pretty wild statement, a pretty wild statement, given that many Palestinians want peace genuinely. So, wow. Wow. And, and this is, this is what goes for civil discourse. This is what is not cancelable to talk like this. This is okay. There is no such thing as an innocent Palestinian, says American congressman. There's no such thing. If I were to say the same thing about the, the Israeli side, which I wouldn't because it's wrong, I would obviously be in serious trouble. But it's completely permissible for politicians at the highest level in our government to say that. It's sick. It's sick. And it just goes to show where the allowable discourse is, where the Overton window is of allowable discourse on this topic. And it's fucking weird. It's a bizarre window that we're supposed to hop through. We're being non-interventionists. We're wanting to see the violence and, and death of civilians end. It's considered to be pro-terrorism, pro, I mean, pro-genocide, pro-war, pro, 
anti-Semitic, all these, all these descriptors that don't really apply. It's crazy. It's totally inverted reality. This is exactly what we experienced in the, in the aftermath of 9-11. It's basically what you experience after any terrorist attack. Oh, you don't want to go blow up five nations? Well then, terrorist sympathizer. Oh, you love Saddam Hussein, don't you? You love Vladimir Putin, right? No, actually, I don't. Oh, you don't want to go to war with China over uh, Taiwan? Uh, in the bag for the CCP? You like Winnie the Pooh? Xi Jinping giving you some yuan? You getting paid off? Huh, bud? No, I'm not. I actually don't want to have a war with 1.4 billion people and 300 plus nuclear weapons. Call me crazy. But you can label me whatever you want. You can call me these names. I don't really care because I've already made my case quite clear that I am a non-interventionist, that I believe in America first policies. America only, actually, to get it very explicit for those that are confused. We should stop with the military adventurism. We should stop killing innocent people and we should stop destroying our both military but also our financial condition in you know in the rest of the world it's terrible it's crazy it's suicidal so don't don't point at the people saying hey hey hey, i think this is a bad idea hey maybe we shouldn't continue down this path and point at us and say we're the problem y'all are the problem don't get it twisted this is such a weird clip i had to cover it with you guys it just happened a few hours ago this is uh, Congressional Representative Democrat Dan Goldman talking to Jen Psaki. I want to also turn to Trump, of course, and just some of what the reporting has been around uh, some of his conversations. Also, as we anticipate a year full of trials next year, I want to take a listen to part of a conversation that he had with uh, ABC's Jonathan Carl about January 6th and get your thoughts on the other end. You told them you were going to go up to the Capitol. Were you just I was, no, I was going to and the Secret Service said you can't. And then by the time I would have. And then when I got back, I saw I wanted to go back. I was thinking about going back during the problem to stop the problem, doing it myself. Secret Service didn't like that idea too much. So, so what and I could so have done that. And you know what? I would have been very well received. OK, so this is Donald Trump saying that he considered going to the Capitol on J6 to try and stop the problem. What he's referencing, obviously, is the riots. Let's see how they frame it, though. I'm sure it'll be totally reasonable and fair. So there's been so much speculation, contemplation, discussion of what Trump wanted to do, what he knew or didn't know. I mean, do you think as a prosecutor or a prosecutor, this is something that could be useful in the case against Trump? How will it be used? Yeah, well, I mean, look, he says uh, I would be well received because he knows that the people who were there are his supporters who he riled up and incited to invade and riot at the Capitol and try to disrupt the proper counting of the Electoral College votes. So every time he talks, he's uh, putting himself into a bigger criminal hole. Uh, but the, but his, that I feel like I'm taking crazy pills. What criminal hole is he putting himself into? He's the president of the United States. He knows that these are his supporters. He wanted to go against his Secret Service's orders. He wanted to go to the Capitol to try and get it to stop. And that, that portrays him as instigating and wanting the riots to happen? In what world? Oh, God. That's not his objective. His objective mm. is purely political at this point. Uh, politics don't work in a courtroom, as I think he's finding out in the mm. New York Attorney General's case in New York, a civil case. And, and that's going to continue in his criminal trials. But his rhetoric is really getting dangerous, more and more dangerous. And we what about that rhetoric was dangerous? What did he say there that was so dangerous? <laughs> I mean, it's so strange to me. Let's see if he has any any firm points to make here saw what happened on January 6th when he uses inflammatory rhetoric now and is the inflammatory rhetoric he used was fight like hell, which literally every politician throughout all of 2020 said repeatedly fight like hell for freedom, democracy, whatever. I mean, and then he also said peacefully demonstrate peacefully. It's crazy that this is being framed in such a way recent true social post uh, is incredibly, incredibly scary for anyone uh, that might be trying to op work in government. And um, it is just uh, unquestionable at this point that that man cannot see public office again. He is not only unfit, he is destructive to our democracy, uh, and he has to be uh, he has to be eliminated. Excuse me? He has to be what? 
Let's uh, let's listen to that one more time. Just make sure I heard it right. Public office again. He is not only unfit, he is destructive to our democracy uh, and he has to be uh, he has to be eliminated. OK, Dan Goldman, you speak for yourself, bud. Uh, I'll just say this. If I were to say that about Joe Biden or any other sitting politician, I'd have a knock on my door real fast. But a sitting congressman saying that about the number one contender for the presidency, a-okay, I guess. Totally fine, right? And, and, and keep in mind, 30 seconds prior, this motherfucker says Trump's rhetoric is getting truly dangerous. Trump's rhetoric. It's the James Lindsay's iron law of woke projection. Whatever they accuse you of, they are actually guilty of. Whose rhetoric is dangerous there? My goodness, man. My goodness. It's like, I've honestly, sometimes I feel like I'm going crazy. That like the people that are so unhinged about Donald Trump, they're, they're willing to completely do away with democracy. You see Rob Reiner tweeting about this every fucking day where he's just like, if uh, any vote for anyone other than Joe Biden means the death of democracy, means the end of democracy. Well, Hey, Rob, if I don't have a choice behind, besides the one guy that you offer me, what kind of a democratic system is that? Huh, bud? Are you even thinking at all? So I have one choice. One choice. What is this, fucking North Korea? Oh, sure, we have democratic elections. There just happens to be one guy on the ballot. <laughs> Look at that. He won again. What a fucking, what a novel concept. These people are such frauds. They're, they're only interested in power. I hope by now people are, are realizing that their rhetoric, just set their rhetoric aside. Sure, some of them are genuinely so afraid of Donald Trump that they've lost their minds. A lot of them, though, they're not really afraid of Trump, man. They're, most of them aren't. They just want complete control of the government. They want complete control, total dominance. And they are willing to lie, cheat, and steal to get it. And I think that's, that's really... The issues with uh, with people like Dan Goldman that they've totally they've just totally done away with any semblance of rational thought or reasonable dialogue and are just in full blown psychosis at this point. It's crazy. So for those that haven't been paying attention or not on Twitter, don't know anything about this, you have had a major push to see all of the advertisers continue to boycott, which have been, there's been continuous pressure ever since Elon Musk acquired the platform. But as of late, it has hit once again, another fevered pitch. Let's get into the story here. A year ago, Musk has allowed conspiracy theories and hate speech to thrive. And that is having some consequences. Today, the EU commission announced that it is stopping all advertising on X. It's already launched an investigation into hate speech on the social media platform. Also today, the White House condemned Elon Musk for what it called the abhorrent promotion of anti-Semitism. Now that was in reaction to a tweet posted by Musk endorsing a conspiracy theory that Jewish communities push, quote, hatred against whites. The White House invoked the 2018 mass shooting at a Pittsburgh synagogue, posting this, it is unacceptable to repeat the hideous lie behind the most fatal act of anti-Semitism in American history at any time, let alone one month after the deadliest day for the Jewish people since the Holocaust. With that, I wanna bring in now Julie Millikan. She's vice president of the media watchdog, Media Matters for America. She's been monitoring the, the rise in online mis and disinformation, especially on Elon Musk's platform, X, or as we used to call it, Twitter. All right, so a little backstory here. This lady has been involved with Media Matters for upwards of 20 years, basically her entire adult life. And keep in mind too, that Media Matters is the company that actually came out with the hit piece where they had created a bunch of Twitter accounts and essentially game the system so that they could find a way to see a handful of ads that were displayed next to hateful tweets. And, and when I say a handful, I mean barely a handful. It was something to the effect of like 20 impressions on ads that were appended to, uh, you know, inappropriate tweets that were out of out of millions throughout a day. And it was because Media Matters went out of its way to try and create the circumstances by which that would occur. 
So they they had to really game the system in order to make this claim. Then with making that claim, they then flipped it. They put out a big report saying that anti-Semitism is on the rise. Elon Musk is, is perpetuating it. And therefore, all advertising must stop. And then Elon, after apologizing to the ADL and you know declaring how not anti-Semitic he is, which obviously he's not, uh, they then... <laughs> They then uh, basically get a, a whole bunch of companies, uh, like the entire film industry. I talked about this on Tivcast IRL. They, they, all of them stop advertising based off of a lie, a lie created by Media Matters. Media Matters, which is an entity that is explicitly attempting to break the financial circumstances of any company that goes against the censorship regime. We've got what? Conspiracy theories, anti-Semitism. I mean, the list is long. It gets longer. Just how bad has it gotten? on X under Elon Musk. Right, thank you for having me. Um, yes, since Elon Musk has taken over Twitter, he's made a series of decisions that has um, done nothing but increased hate, extremism, and conspiracy theories on the platform. Um, since his takeover, he one of the first things that he did was gut his content moderation, his trust in public safety team. Um, that now, what, what did those entities consist of? Well, let me, let me give you the Cliff's notes. They were fucking three-letter agencies, okay? That's that's where the FBI, that's where DHS, that's where CDC was had all of their hands in the moderation system. So when she says he gutted his trust and safety and his moderation teams, what he was actually doing was cutting out all of the government informants that were working directly for Twitter. Sometimes just messaging to them, sometimes actually working for Twitter itself, as they do for all social media platforms. The reason that the pressure is being turned up, keep in mind, just last week, just three days ago, four days ago, Osama bin Laden's letter to America went viral on TikTok. Did Media Matters write up a letter saying that all advertising to, to TikTok have to stop? No, they didn't. Why not? Because it's not about what content is being allowed so much as what content is against the government's wishes. And that is what Elon's allowing. Big time. And they can't have any platform. My personal opinion is that TikTok has already sold out. They are already under the thumb of the government. And, and that is the primary reason that, that they don't care so much. What they really care about is Elon Musk, a super wealthy independent billionaire that does not want to play ball. This is my read. I could be wrong. And this is the reason that they, they pursue him above all else, because Twitter is where decision, like where the thought leaders in the political sphere go. This is where the battle of ideas occurs. And if they don't have a lopsided playing field, they cannot prevail. If they actually have to compete in the in the true information space in a in a real open debate of honest ideas, they will absolutely languish and ultimately perish. They cannot win. They cannot. So this is the reason that they're putting all of this heat on Elon Musk. That made it very difficult for them to be able to enforce their terms of service. Um, he also has explicitly uh, stopped them from enforcing their terms of service um, around certain types of content, um, including anti-Semitic content. Mm -hmm. um, he now, mind you, this is, this is actually a private business at this place. It's not even at, at, at this point. It's not even a publicly traded company. He purchased it for 44 fucking billion dollars and he took it private. What the fuck do you have to say about that? And why should I care what your opinion is? Why should you be able to pressure a private business to to change its moderation policies and if they refuse to you will you will put out hit pieces with concocted information to try and rip their advertising revenue out from under them and this is considered to be a fair legitimate practice as opposed to being in my estimation an obvious government ngo styled cutout that is media matters that is working explicitly at the command of the state to go after political dissidents that's what it looks like to me he has reinstated extremist accounts um, that were previously banned uh, on the platform. You know, like Dr. Peter McCullough and, uh, <laughs> you know, like all, all of these extremists that he's brought back. I mean, the guy hasn't even brought back Alex Jones, for God's sakes. He himself has engaged repeatedly with conspiracy theorists, with people who have pushed um, anti-LGBTQ rhetoric. 
uh, yeah, you know, conspiracy theories like COVID's origin or whether or not lockdowns worked, you know, that type of crazy stuff. Whether or not, uh, you know, Ukraine was actually winning the war against Russia. That You remember that old crazy conspiracy theory that Russia might actually be winning the war? Ooh, too bad we had the ability to speak freely. What a tragedy. Um, people who have endorsed anti-Semitic conspiracy theories, people who have endorsed COVID-19 misinformation, the list goes on and on. Mm -hmm. um, and who has endorsed more COVID-19 misinformation than the embassy, MSNBCs or just the entire mainstream media along with Anthony Fauci? Or was it the, the random shit poster on Twitter that actually ruined the world? Come on. This is so ridiculous. And the impact has been clear. Um, the information ecosystem on X at this point in time is heavily skewed towards far-right extremism. It's mm -hmm. a playground for these extremists. Um, and it's become increasingly difficult to uh, get any sort of reliable information on there. And instead, it's just flooded with hate, bigotry, lies. Uh, and it's you know really unfortunate that that's the, the state that we're in. Uh, what a joke. All right, so that's the vice president for Media Matters, and Elon Musk is now suing them, dropping a nuclear bomb of a lawsuit, uh, according to him, and we'll see what, what comes of it. But I just wanted you guys to be aware that the uh, the heat is once again back on, and if you value uh, you know free speech and open conversation and dialogue, then I would encourage you to support Twitter however you can. Uh, like. I know a lot of people don't trust Elon Musk, as, as I said, to open the show. I don't trust anybody, okay? And I certainly don't trust Mr. I want to put a brain chip in you. I don't trust Elon Musk either. Doesn't change the fact that what he did with Twitter, loosening the, the uh, speech guidelines, so much of what we've been able to have a conversation about over the past year plus has been a direct result of him purging the government, you know, the state apparatus that were functioning within Twitter, getting them out. And all of a sudden, we were actually able to have real conversations about all of the current events in real time with virtually no fear of suspensions or bans. At least at least that's how I felt. So it has improved a lot, a lot. It isn't perfect. It's not even close to perfect, but it has improved a lot. And I really appreciate it. I think that you know whether his rhetoric is real or not is really not the point. What he said when he bought it was that he understands that if we're not allowed to speak freely with one another, we will ultimately end up in civil conflict with one another with one another and that's the last thing any of us should want to see and i think that that supporting a business that is headed in that direction particularly when you have these hit pieces that come out against him that are totally fraudulent that are trying to really break his business i mean and and create billions of dollars worth of damages i hope that his lawsuit prevails i hope that all of these entities that uh that are are making this entire you know hit piece work I hope that they are all forced into discovery so that they have to demonstrate where their funding come from, comes from. And I hope that if it, if it does lead back towards the government, which I suspect it does, that then there's ultimately criminal charges that are brought against the political apparatus that's responsible for this. It's ridiculous. It's absolutely ridiculous that, I mean, what, what this amounts to, if I'm correct, that this is a, a state-directed hit against a private company is, an, is a direct affront to the first amendment direct they already were doing it a few years ago so don't call me crazy for thinking that that's probably what this is they want to get elon to bend the knee and to kiss the ring and to have all of their three-letter agencies get the back door once again to twitter so that they can dictate what the terms of service is what we're allowed to say what we're allowed to think and i'm not going to go along with it and this is why against my uh you know <laughs> better instincts i pay i play i pay for the blue check I, you know, I engage with Twitter a lot and it's because I think that it's the only option that we really have right now. I hope we have better ones in the future, but we have to support those that are actually giving us more of what we want, even if it's not perfect, because it's taking us closer to the direction that we would like to see in the world. If you'd like to follow me on Twitter, just uh, search for at Liberty Lockpod. Got 111,000 of you over there now, which is absolutely mind blowing. Uh, you know, we've had an incredible lineup of guests that are, uh, on the show that I'm doing with Luke Rudkowski over on We Are Change. By the way, the name of the show is thebestpoliticalshow.com. You can find the show there, or you can just search all one word, We Are Change, on YouTube or Rumble. Just last night, we had on Jackson Hinkle. It was actually a really interesting conversation. I did not expect that. Uh, I had a, had a really good, you know, reasonable debate with him. Obviously, we disagree, given that he's a Leninist Marxist, but uh, the conversation was far better than I expected. And we actually agreed on a lot more than I would have thought. So check that out. 
Uh, we got a bunch of big guests coming in over the next couple days and over the next couple months. It's going to be wild. And uh, yeah, last but not least, if you want to support my work, subscribe over on X at Liberty Lockpod or subscribe and become a supporting member over at libertylockdown.locals.com. If you would like to see me do an AMA over there, just let me know in the comments below. I'd be happy to do it. If I don't see any uh, replies saying as such, then I won't. But I do love you guys, and I appreciate your support. Uh, continue to leave those five-star reviews on Apple Podcasts. We're approaching, I think, 800 now, which is crazy. Uh, you guys are really pushing the algo. I just searched on Apple Podcasts today, and my podcast was the very next recommended. Uh, if you go to Part of the Problem, which is Dave Smith's show, it's Michael Malice, you're welcome, and then it's me. And it's Tom Woods and Scott Horton and everybody else. But it's like, Malice, me. What? That's so cool. I'm number two. Love it. Uh, <laughs> it's all because of you guys, it's so cool that so many people listen and, and, you know, leave, you know, these glowing reviews and it really does help, uh, bolster the algo so that people, you know, know that I'm out here and have an option to listen to me. So thank you guys as always for supporting my work. If you want to pick up a Liberty Lockdown shirt, go to toplobster.com. We're out of here. Peace. Welcome to Liberty Lockdown. Please scan your barcode. Your Liberty ain't gone, but yeah, it's on hold. Where did it come from and where did it go?